everyone. Welcome to the Worship Artistry Podcast. My name is Jason Houtsma, and with me, Mr. Daniel Ornelas, rocking his Taylor Swift reputation stadium tour jacket. Uh, it's just cold in here today. <laughs> cold? <laughs> it's weird, but it has been a little bit nippy in Nashville. Yeah, yeah. Of, of late. Yeah, we had we had we actually had amazing weather, but like my body now is like, why did you go out in the sun so much? Why did you oh, do gosh. it? I feel oh, you like, burnt. Yeah, a little bit. But it was it was funny because over the weekend we went out. Um, I went. So we've all been like quarantining, right? And so we haven't been we haven't seen anybody in forever. My in laws hadn't seen anybody in forever either, and they're like, hey, why don't you just come over and sit on the back deck, and we sit out by the lake, and because they live on the lake, and they're like, the kids can swim mm-hmm. and. You know, we can just hang out and see each other. So, like, sweet, man. So we go out. And granted, like, you get out there, and at first you see people on boats, and they're kind of, like, scooting up to each other and, like, yelling across boats to talk to each other. And all of a sudden you see, like, this party boat with, like, 20 people on it go by, and you're just like, (laughs) you're... if we have to do this for like an extra month because we had a breakout because of you, we would be so mad. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, I, feel- well, I went. To, yeah, I went on the lake with a friend last week, and the same thing. And we went there, and there's just so many people. He said there's never people like this on the lake. We went fishing, but there was just a thousand people cruising past us on boats. I feel like I feel like a, an alcoholic though. Now, having seen people like you know, you know, an alcoholic will be like, "No, man, I can, no, I can still have, I can have one drink. I'll be fine, man. I'll just have one. I'll just have yeah. one." I'm like, <laughs> "Yeah, we can hang out with my in-laws for an afternoon. That'll be fine. We'll just hang out one time. It'll be great." Now I'm like, oh, "I want to see all my friends. I need to see my friends. I'm gonna go call my parents. See what they're doing. I gotta get people. Let's have a party." Like, <laughs> I'm not doing exactly. it. I'm not doing it. But I'm realizing it's a slippery slope, my friend. Oh yeah, it is. Oh yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> how was your uh, How was your Mother's Day? It was pretty awesome, actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we we don't have grandparents here, so my mom's not here, and Sam's mom's not here. But uh, we celebrated Sam, and um, we actually went to uh, a park with some friends and their parents. Uh, and it turns out their family has about forty people in it, so we were definitely <laughs> not keeping with the the deal that we're supposed to. We all had blankets, and we kind of sat out on the lawn, and it was pretty cool. They had some ultimate frisbee. It was fun. Dude, that's. Oh. I hope I hope you were sanitizing. Yeah, you're sanitizing afterwards. Don't touch your face. I drank, I drank two bottles of that stuff. That <laughs> what do you call it? Hand sanitizer, just to make sure. <laughs> just, yeah, that's what it's for. You just drink it. It's okay. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, hey, uh, today on the podcast we were able to get uh, Ryan Williams. Ryan Williams is a um, he's with River Valley Worship. We do we actually did their song Hope Has a Name uh, off their last record and. I was listening to their latest one and really enjoying it. I think that they they're doing something. They they have a they have a good sound and everything, but I think just lyrically and kind of how they approach worship, they just have a little certain kind of niche in there. It's not like it sounds dramatically different. I mean, the hooks are all there, but the writing is just kind of on point. I found it I found it pretty inspiring. So um, it was a great conversation, very mission uh, missional mindset, very mission hearted, and uh, it was great to have him on. So. Very cool. Let's, Let's, talk to Ryan. Let's talk to Ryan Williams. Awesome. Welcome to the podcast, Ryan. Man, I'm so glad that I'm here with you. I really appreciate it. Don't take it for granted. Oh, well, I uh, I don't take it for granted either. It's a, it's a good deal. We had a little... Uh, 
little mishap trying to get together. And when, um, when Stacy called me and was like, Hey, so sorry about this. I'm like, do you know how many times I've missed an interview? Like, I'm, just, I'm so, I'm like, I'm just glad my, my alarm went off, you know, it's good. So, so, uh, so, okay. So Ryan, so you are, you're kind of the, you're, you're one of the faces of river Valley worship. And, um, we actually have your guys's, uh, song hope has a name on the website and then you guys oh, have cool. something new coming out as well. Um, one thing I noticed about about uh, your last record is it seemed yeah. very um, very missions minded, very outward focused, yeah. very global. Um, yeah. Which I you know would you characterize it that way? Absolutely. I mean, uh, yeah. With the the short short answer is like the two big values of our church are worship and missions. So it's cool that that is uh, that's coming out in the music. That's how it should be. So how do you see, how do you see those things kind of kind of coming together in in the music that you're making? Does one inspire the other? Do they? Is it a, is it a team focus? Are they siloed? How's that How's that work? Yeah, uh, at our church we call uh, we call like the missions department. We call it global project. Mm-hmm. You know, God God's heart for the world is is His and our global project, the call to go. And so you know, where do they intersect? Worship and missions. Um, our uh, our head of global project always says, "I'm going to try to get this right." I haven't said this quote in a long time, um, so you might have to edit <laughs> edit this if I don't get it right. Close enough. Um, he, he says, "Oh yeah, missions exists where worship doesn't." You know. Oh, that's cool. That's and a- uh, under normal normal circumstances, obviously we're we're living in a unique time and unique days. Our church is continually sending out again. Uh, missions teams, global project teams, literally every week. And uh, it's just so, it's like an IV drip. It's just so a part of our church's culture, uh, the the, uh, the heart of our pastor. So myself, I've led five or six teams all over the world. And every time we go, specifically for me and my gift, the way that I serve the church, every time we go to a place, whether it's Istanbul, Turkey, or... Uh, Cyprus, Greece, or Padova, Italy, we go and we worship. We worship in streets, we worship in bars, we worship in cafes. And um, some of these places are very, very dark uh, uh, spiritually and, you know, and uh, even physically. These are dark, dank places. (laughs) And to sing and proclaim the name of Jesus in these places and to see firsthand what happens um it'll change you it'll mark you forever and so yeah again i think every great church is is striving to do what god has called them to do and they use their values to guide them and so that's our value worship and missions and so it's easy for us to uh, see how those intersect that's that's really powerful I, i actually i went and saw a show of um the Oh Hellos, which are, if you're familiar with them. And at the end of their show, we were at this bar and at the end of their show, they just came to the front of the stage and they all just sang the melody of Come Thou Fount. It was almost like they were blessing the crowd. And I was sitting there just like, this is amazing. Nobody knows what's happening, but I know what's happening. This is incredible. You know, what is, what's been the, what's been the response when you're, when you go and play worship music in a bar, how's that go? Yeah. Well, we were, we were in Istanbul, Turkey, uh, me and a team, uh, it might've been a year and a half ago now. And, uh, you know, it's a very dark place. It's a very thick place spiritually. 
you'd hear the, uh, the call to prayer go out, you know, three times a day. We were there during Ramadan and, uh, we're in this really hip bar and they had no idea why these Americans were there. We obviously weren't telling them why we were really there. We couldn't, we'd get in trouble, but our whole kind of mode of operation was brings one of our teams in. We start playing a bunch of like really popular songs that they would hear from American radio. They just couldn't believe it. They were going bonkers and planted throughout the audience was the missionary and was some other people on our team who weren't musicians and like sprinkled into these cover songs. We would start doing river Valley worship songs, or we start doing uh, a popular worship song. And again, language barrier is almost your friend because they don't quite know what you're saying mm-hmm. some of the time. But as we were proclaiming the name of Jesus, missionary would come up to next to people and start conversations and say, Hey, do you know what this guy is singing about? And kind of explain the gospel story. And it sounds kind of like, you know, it sounds maybe a little hokey or a little quirky, but we saw people come to Christ multiple nights, multiple venues on that trip in Istanbul, Turkey. And, uh, Man, you just felt like you're living in a Bible story, singing the name of Jesus and watching people's lives be changed. That's awesome, man. The uh, I, I noticed on the on the new record, you know, the way that I if I was to like sum it all up as I was listening, I was like, this is like hope filled authenticity. Like oh, wow. it seems like a real um, a real strong desire to walk like that biblical faith, right? That kind uh-huh. of very authentic. Like I am. Where I'm, I'm doing life with Jesus. I'm trusting that, however I lean into Him, I'm trusting Him that whatever that means, that that's going to actually impact my life, and that is the the best thing that I can do. And I think yeah, that, yeah. and I think that in a lot of ways, I, I feel like in some ways with worship music, there's there there is a how do I say this? In some ways, you know, it's been kind of um, sanitized for a while, and yeah. I feel like it's getting more. It's getting more authentic, but then sometimes I think we 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 hear the word authentic and then we think like, you know, so you just basically get super negative and just I'm telling yeah, them like yeah, it really yeah. is, man, you know. But yeah. it seems like it seems like you guys are in this place where it's like this authentic passion for Jesus and yet at the same time seeing having that be filled with hope. Um yeah. what kind of that that's been my that was my impression. What kind that's of really cool. what what's what kind of drove this new album for you? Man, I love the way you described it. Um, and it isn't that true, though, when you feel like, oh, we want more authenticity in our music or we want to, <laughs> kind of a funny phrase, you want to appear more authentic. And that <laughs> means like, that means like, uh, you know, there's more of a free pass to be melancholy, mm-hmm. you know, and sad. But I don't think that fully encompasses authenticity, just like you explained. I mean, the whole thread of the album came, again, Coincidentally, I'm bringing up missions and and our global project. It came from an unlikely place. I mean, we're looking for a theme early on in the writing process. We knew we really wanted to have like a thread that went through the whole project. And I got a four-page letter from a missionary. It was on my desk. And I don't get letters from anybody anymore these days. So it was a treat before I even opened it up. And then I opened up the letter. And the letter, it read like another book of the Bible. It was... It was uh, it was timely to say the least mm-hmm. for who I for what I was going through for what our for our team was at for our church was at 
and this missionary who's a legend who is living day in, day out in some of the darkest places on earth, proclaiming the name of Jesus. I mean, he's been in places where his family, him and his family have gotten chased out of town because he's gotten found out, you know, mm. for, for being a follower of Christ. So many parts of that letter were really inspiring and marking, but one of the sentences he said, Ryan, you have to remember that every time you get on a get on a platform to lead worship, that you're not standing on a stage, you're standing on an altar. Hmm. And just as quickly as I read that sentence, it marked me. And just like wildfire, I had to share it. I had to share it with my friends, my family, our team. And it was like two days later, I was sharing it with one of our team members. And they're like, that's the theme. That's our theme for this project. And, you know, soon after we whittled down that sentence to just the one word alters. But for us, it just flipped and changed and invigorated everything that we do as worship leaders. You know, an altar, that's a place for sacrifice. A stage is a place for performance and for perfection. An altar is a place for completion in Jesus Christ. And once we drew that line and made that that point of clarity for ourselves, altars over stages, man, the, the songs started to come together. Uh, the topics underneath that thread started to come together. Um, and I, you know, not thinking too much ahead, I have no idea what the next album is going to be about. But man, I don't know. <laughs> I need another letter from a missionary or something because that was a really, really... It was a really marking uh, moment for us all. Yeah. So, so in you know, in a, in a lot of the lyrics, you know, there's this, there's a lot about surrender. There is a lot about sacrifice. Um, you know, I think with songs and especially worship songs, I think sometimes we have to sing things before we believe them. We yeah. have to say things before we believe them. And um, are there any specific lyrics that were kind of that are almost hard to sing, hard to write? Just like, all right, I'm. Like it's almost it's almost like a gamble to ask God to do this to me, or for me to say that I'm going to do this because of the feeling of risk involved or the feeling of challenge. Is there anything in particular that stood out to you that was like, oh, this is a tough one? <laughs> yeah, there's a song called "Real Thing" that actually was the first. It was the first song, uh, kind of finished for this new project. I mean, it was like the literally it was like song one of like. 70 songs for the whole thing that we, you know, whittled down. And uh, there's a lyric in the first verse that says, I could never live a life that costs me nothing. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, were, we were in an interview the other day as a team, and our, our bass player, Joe, was like, he brought up that lyric, and he said, that's a scary lyric. <laughs> that I, he said, I love that song because it challenges me. And... Uh, We've led it quite a bit now in our own church. And every time I get to that verse, um, the lyric, I can never live a life that costs me nothing. And then right after it, it says, I'm terrible at reciting my own lyrics without singing them. But they, it says, <laughs> you can sing them. It's I, fine. <laughs> I, refuse to pray, I refuse to pray a word that doesn't move me. <clears throat> That's another part of that verse. And so saying, I could never, and then following up with, I refuse. Mm-hmm. These are strong statements that internally you're saying, okay, game on, you know, yeah. I better really mean this. This is more than hype. This is more than professional Christianity. 
this is costly, authentic pursuit of being more like Jesus. And you know what? I, I totally agree with that equation of sometimes we need songs to help us rehearse and recall and remember things that we maybe aren't sure of or don't quite believe yet or don't feel like we can live up to quite yet. I think songs have that ability to call us up to a place. And Real Thing definitely does that for me. That's beautiful. And yeah, I noticed that the, um, it's really interesting. I, it, you know, I, I hear a lot of worship music and I, like I, I come from a, a place of kind of like seeing kind of how it all fits and, and recognizing yeah, yeah. like this is connecting with people and this is connecting. I don't have yeah, this yeah. like, no, it has to be this or it has to be yeah. that. Um, I find you guys seem to strike a really interesting balance between very personal feeling songs. Like they almost feel like they're coming out of stories that you're, but they're, you're not telling the whole story. It, yeah, it, yeah. It, it feels like, you know, so it's, it's universal enough that people can go, yes, that is also my story. But are there, did any of these songs come out of a, a like, like, like a personal space or is it more kind of you guys like working together and going, this is what our church needs to sing. Like what is, um, what's kind of the Genesis of some of these tunes? Yeah. I'll, I'll use two as an example and one I'll hit on. I'll, I'll talk on behalf of somebody else on the team who was one of the main writers on it. And then I'll just give a, the second one I can be able to talk to. Cause I was the only writer on that song. And there's a song called let it be Jesus that came from a group of our writers feeling this this weight and this burden of one of our writers, his mom has been uh, chronically ill for pretty much his entire life. And he's grown up in the church and he would constantly from five years old to eight years old to 11 years old to now as a grown man with a family of his own, pray for her healing, you know. And again, he's walked through his whole life without seeing his mom healed, without seeing her restored. And he just... You know, that's a tension that he's been carrying around his whole life. And uh, this song, Let It Be Jesus, was a, it was a, it was like his, his Everest moment, climbing Everest. It was super difficult for him to get through it and to finish it. And, and here we are and the album's out. And the overwhelming response that we've gotten with the project only being days old, that song coincidentally let it be jesus has been very impactful to people mm -hmm. because it came from a costly place that word costly is very much part of this whole project for us um so there you go that's a perfect way you describe it in a perfect perfect example of this is coming from real authentic raw stuff and when it gets to the finish line as a as a song it's crafted in a way that anybody going through whatever they're going through can also grab onto it. Yeah. They're, they're very well crafted. Um, what was the other one? You said there was another one that you were the, oh, that's right. the writer on. I want to get both of them. The, the first yeah, one was good. great. Let's keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so the last song, the album is called sounds like grace. And it was, uh, the song for the majority of the time, it's just me on a piano and that's how it was always supposed to stay. And I never really thought about bringing it, to the rest of the team for an album it was supposed to be just my own personal kind of like i literally sat down to write my theme song for like the last eight months of my life mm -hmm. and uh there's just like inherently some certain things about the song that I didn't feel like you know were the type of thing that we needed on the on the album and uh 
I was just working it out on a piano by myself, thinking I was in, in a room by myself. And little did I know there was like a couple people around the corner from the team. And uh, they pretty much said, we're going to beat you up unless we <laughs> finish this song and at least record the demo, you know, and see where it goes. And uh, again, it's crazy to see something that is so authentic, that seems so personal, that seems like it really was only meant as just a prayer for me to talk to God about grace and about messing up and about failing and about how he sees us and how he sees me, you know, something that can feel so precise to one person, it carries so much weight for hundreds, thousands of other people. It's, it's mind boggling. Authenticity. It's, it's powerful. Yes, it definitely is. Um, so, so let me ask you this. So, you know, right now I'm sitting in my office. You look like you're sitting at your house. We're all, uh, we're all stuck at home. And uh, how do you keep that kind of outward mindset? And, and how has it been kind of, like you said, like the record's only a couple of days old. I'm sure you didn't plan on yeah, right. re- <laughs> releasing it to a bunch of people who can't leave the house. Um, just how has, how has that affected kind of your focus in this time and, and uh and then, and just like spreading, spreading the word of Jesus and also spreading your music and all that. Well, I think everyone, uh, I've been hearing this word a lot, like in ministry or like in church talk on the news, everybody's had to learn how to pivot, how to change, mm-hmm. how to adjust, how to flex in this time. And, you know, the, the planning for these albums, you know, are sometimes a year and a half, two years out. And so when we set the date to release this project, obviously our minds were never really ready for something like this. Um, but I guess I'll say this, it's made it that much more of a special process because we've had so many things get canceled and shut down. We've had like, um, you know, we were going to release an album and then kind of travel around and do what you do, which is play kind of all over the country and be able to lead in different places and different conferences and festivals. A lot of those are getting canceled, getting uh, rescheduled. And so the fact that we could through technology and through our community that's built obviously on real relationships and then built through all the social avenues, that we could still release a project like this and have a really, really great engaging amazing launch that felt that much more special because so much has been taken away from us in these last few months. Um, but it kind of felt like, man, but you know what? You can't take this away from us. We're going to be able to release this, get these songs that have cost us something, get them to people who need to hear them. And, um, we don't have delusions of grandeur, our dreams of, you know, worship stardom, we killed those a long time ago. We're just trying to be obedient. And if you just focus on the obedient side, you don't have to worry so much about the, the outcome side. And so the whole process of, of releasing this album in this day and age, it's made it that more special, actually. That's a, that's a great line, man. It is, it is, it is true. It's so um, It's incredibly freeing to get to that place, right? To that place where you go, 
Like I lit, like I legitimately don't care. I'm not just saying I don't care about the success right. of this or I like, like I legitimately just am doing what God's telling me to do. And that's, that's my end game, <laughs> you know, like yep. not that extra, extra piece. I did want to ask you, um, you know, you went, uh, let me jump back real quick. You said, uh, something about, um, you had like 70 songs to pull from and you know, a lot of, a lot of churches, you know, they're, they are, they're, they're taking songs that are put out by guys like you, right. They're going like, okay, this church is doing this and, and, you know, we like their style of music and we yeah, like yeah. the songs, right? So a lot of people are, are essentially doing like worship covers. How, yeah, did yeah. You, how did you build a culture in your church that has such a robust writing ministry? I think the best way to answer that would be, I have been at the church uh, for almost 14 years now. And uh, the church has gone through a lot of change in that time period and a lot of growth. And we've had a lot of victories and a lot of mess ups along the way. Totally normal group of people. Like, and, uh, and I'd worked at the church under someone else for a long time, as far as kind of being their right hand man when it came to the worship ministry. And that guy was a great guy who taught me a lot and he ended up resigning and I never had the dream to like take his his job or take his spot. I wasn't good. At, I wasn't like smart enough to be thinking like that. I was just kind of along for the ride. Long story short, I was given the they wanted me to take a spot and lead the worship ministry at a pretty young age. And it was my pastor who came to me at that moment. This was like 2009, 2010, and he was the guy who said, "Hey, I know you've got a gift on your life to write songs." we need to start writing our own songs and releasing our own albums. So the step one was there, which is it has to be in the heart of your lead pastor first. I have like friends and peers who are at great churches, other large churches. I've got a few friends who are great songwriters who are at like bigger churches than I'm at with more infrastructure and more money and more resource. But and they're trying to do this songwriting thing, but it's not it's not in the heart of their lead pastor. And so it's this constant push and pull and tension. And it's kind of this like, we'll allow you musicians to go off to the side and do this thing. And when you're done, come back to normal life and carry on with <laughs> real ministry. And man, I've been so blessed. That's like I said. It's been about 10 years now of making albums and writing songs for our community that these, this matters and this is woven into the culture and into the people of River Valley. This is our music and our albums. I mean, everybody from, you'll get what I mean when I say this, everybody from the janitor to the kids worker to the parking lot attendant, this is their music mm -hmm. and it's just indescribable. Um, and I think you get to that place by saying, how can we serve our people? Not how can we be the coolest thing or how can we get this to sound great or how can we grow a following or any of that stuff? We always said, how can we serve our people? And uh, we just try We keep trying to give it a shot. Every time we do a project, we keep trying to serve our people. 
Awesome, man. Well, it seems like you're uh, you're not only serving uh, your local people, but you're serving a lot of us. So thanks for doing that. Um, thanks a lot. It's yeah, it's really it's really inspiring to talk with you, and it's a I think you have a really great picture of you know what worship worship ministry is, and a unique voice in it in the way that you guys well, are writing and and creating the music. It's it's all put together, man. So thanks so much for for taking a few minutes and spending the time with us. My pleasure. May the world open up soon so you can yes. go out and actually play. I'm you, with you. You doing any uh you doing any like at home, you know, Ryan uh yes. <laughs> Ryan solo shows? Yes. Uh yeah, my name is Ryan Williams, if you haven't caught. So if you're into that type of thing, bathroom sessions, living room sessions, backyard sessions, you'll find some of that on uh on all my social stuff. Yeah, man. Jeez, Alters, what a cool album, bro! It sounds awesome. Yeah, it's, it's got some heavy. It's got some heavy content, though. I know. Yeah, I I was laughing when I first saw it because he's you know he pointed out that song, the real thing, and I was like, I hope Coke doesn't sue him. <laughs> <laughs> but I've seen That's those. Amazing. But I've seen those. You've ever seen like those Christian T-shirts? I don't know if they still make them anymore. You know, they would always take like a logo of somebody else that have like Jesus Christ, but it would be like written in the Coca-Cola. Yeah, in the Coca Cola font, and then be like the worst. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> the, the real thing or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The worst one I ever saw at a Christian festival was it had "Do the Dew," which is Mountain Dew, and it's and it said, but it said "Do the Jew." <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> I could not believe my mind. <laughs> I could not believe it, and that's for real. I promise you, I mm. saw that T-shirt. <sighs> So bad, man. I feel like I, you know, I love, I love what we do, but I feel like, you know, in the eighties and the nineties, the Christian bookstore culture just oh. made us look so bad for so long. <laughs> so long. I don't think we'll ever really fully recover. <laughs> Jesus will have to come take us home before there's a recovery <laughs> from what we've done. <laughs> That's amazing. So good. Well, Daniel, I would love to uh, to sit around and and have you keep sending me hilarious photos of, of terrible Christian T-shirts like you have been over the last few minutes. But I will. Uh, I, I've got to get back and actually get back to work. We will. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. Somebody... It's for sale. You can buy it for twenty bucks. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh gosh! Okay. Uh, now I lost my train of thought again, man. <laughs>